You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Welcome to the Faith Roots Podcast. We're going to continue our study. Right now, we're in the Old Testament. We're talking about how God's people turned curses into blessings, and we see it over and over and over again. We're going to wind up with some New Testament references in our last week of the study, but for now, we're going to go ahead and follow out the story in the Old Testament. Nehemiah 13.2 is our text, Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. And boy, we see that all the way through Scripture. Now, the Philistines invaded the kingdom of Israel, particularly Judah, and they did it during the time of David, while David happened to be on an errand for his father to take food to his brothers. But before we go to that, I want to read you Genesis chapter 21, and uh, we're going to start uh, with verse 22. It says, It came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring, or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I've done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt." And so this is a relationship that existed between Abimelech and Abraham. I want to read two more verses, same chapter, Genesis 21 uh, and verse 31. Therefore he called that place, Abraham did, Beersheba, because the two of them swore on an oath there, and they made a covenant at Beersheba, and Abimelech arose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Now, the reason that the Philistines were not identified by God as one of the different people groups that needed to be removed from the land of Canaan when they took possession of it is because of this covenant that existed between Abraham and the king of the Philistines, whose name was Abimelech. In fact, uh, Abimelech is an appellative. It's a title like Pharaoh or uh, Darius or um, Caesar. There were lots of Caesars, or there were several Abimelechs. But this particular Abimelech was a God-fearing man. And we read about that in Genesis 21. And uh, he took Abraham's wife, Sarah, thinking that she was only his sister, and uh, he was going to take her into his harem, but God appeared to him and spoke to him. Now, God did not appear to Pharaoh when the same thing happened with Sarai in Egypt. Uh, the reason Pharaoh was not a godly man. But because Abimelech was a God-fearing man, God spoke directly to him, and he did tell him, you're a dead man, and uh, you've taken another man's wife. And Abimelech pleaded with the Lord and said, you know, in the innocence of my heart, have I done this? He said to me, uh, she's my sister. God says, I know 
that you did this in the integrity of your heart, but he said, you need to restore the man's wife and he will pray for you. So God let it be known to Abimelech that this fellow he was dealing with, Abraham, was selected personally by the Lord, that he was very important. For this reason, he made a covenant with Abraham so that their families could dwell side by side and not be at odds with each other. So now with that background being set, you see why this is such an affront to the children of Israel. And it says in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sokah, which belongs to Judah. And we need say no more because they are very much trespassing and they're very much breaking this covenant that Abraham and Abimelech had made many years before. Now, uh, it had been 14 generations from Abraham to the time of David. That's according to the book of Matthew. Uh, there's not a specific set number of years mentioned there uh, because generations fluctuated. Um, some were 40 years, some were 50, 60, depending on how long it was before uh, the progenitors had the next generation of children. Uh, but somewhere around five to 600 years had passed from the time of Abraham to the time of David and the time that this had happened, something like that. And it could be uh, longer uh, if you really got into the study. But, but the point is, uh, God hasn't seen that this covenant is done. He expects this covenant to be fulfilled. Five, six, seven, eight hundred years is nothing with God. Although it goes far beyond the lifespan of a human, with God, it was a covenant that he expected to be carried on and to be passed down. And you don't see any design on Philistine land by the children of Israel. It is the Philistines who are determined to make war on them. So let's read about what happened. First Samuel 17. The Bible says that a champion from the Philistines went out named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield bearer went before him. So he, he was an imposing uh, figure. This may not mean anything to you, but the weaver's beam was a very big, big diameter uh, pole. And it was something way bigger than any normal soldier would have carried as a spear. Then he stood and cried to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And truthfully, technically, he was not a Philistine. He was not of the genetic lineage of Abimelech. He was a giant, which means he was Rephaim. He did not have a Philistine pedigree. He was uh, uh, part of the Nephilim, and he's in trouble with God. They were singled out to be destroyed by God. So he doesn't have any right here to uh, this land. He is definitely a trespasser. But he's also brought himself under a curse because he has cursed Abraham's seed. So listen to what it says that he did. 
Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. This is Genesis 12, 3 stuff. He has cursed the people of God. Give me a man that we may fight together. When King Saul and all Israel heard the words of this, these, of this Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. Now this is before David came. This is going on. It happened for 40 days. Now there was a solution available already to the children of Israel to reverse this. And I want to read to you where it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 20. They had specific directions as to what to do when they faced an enemy that was greater in strength than they were. And here it is, Deuteronomy 20, verse 1. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle, then the priest, not a mass of priests, not priests plural, but priest singularly. The priest shall approach and speak to this people, and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Now, the reason it only took one priest to do this, to encourage the whole of the army, is that this priest was not speaking his own word. He was coming and declaring a word from God that was specifically given to Moses hundreds of years before to let them know that God was on their side. And the idea is that the priest just speaking these words was enough to clean out the atmosphere, so to speak, that all of the demonic and fearful influence that had been sown into the spirit around these Israelites would have been negated by just reading the words of the law and what God had said that the priest should say. Now, because Saul had drifted from walking with God, he had totally destroyed his relationship with Samuel, the prophet and priest, then he had no one to call on to come and do this. He wasn't seeking God in these days. So the very thing that he needed to put courage into his armies, he did not have. Now, since God had already rejected him, God was not going to use Saul to be a blessing to Israel on that day. Instead, God sent the most unlikely leader, David, a young shepherd boy. Didn't matter that he had no military experience. He did have combat experience because by the anointing of God, he had already killed a lion and a bear. But he came and was immediately offended at what the giant had said. So he purposed to go out and fight against Goliath, and he had absolutely no fear. Now let's read verses 34, 35, and 36 in 1 Samuel uh, chapter uh, 17. 
David is called before Saul because he said, I, I don't let anybody uh, uh, fear because of this guy. I'll go fight him. And uh, Saul tried to tell David, you can't do it. You're just a youth, and he's been a man of war since he was a youth. But this is what David said. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. When it arose against me, I caught it by its beard. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, David understands a very important spiritual principle, and that is this, that in order for God to fight, we have to fight. We have to do our part. God is not going to fight without us being involved in some way or another. So the first thing that he says is, I have seen God work in me in this way in the past. I did my part, and God was faithful to do his. I'll go out after him. Then to clarify matters, David says in verse 37, Moreover, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So now David speaks about this as though God is doing all the fighting. Yet in the first three verses, he talked as though he would do all the fighting. And what's good about this is that David has a good, good, good understanding of how God works. God works through the people that he has raised up and anointed. So when David went down to fight the, the giant, the giant curses him. He disdained David. He said, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. That means then that David would have carried with him a couple of wooden implements, his club and his staff. The staff would be the one with the crook, and then the club would be the one that was a harder wood that would have been a battle weapon. And so David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, and I will take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And David promptly slung his stone, knocked the giant down, um, and then ran quickly to the giant, removed his own sword from his scabbard, and chopped off his head. Now, David said all of these things to release the power of God. I'm not sure he knew exactly what he was doing, but I suppose probably he did. Uh, but the thing we see is the whole atmosphere changed when David went down and said those words. Now, that doesn't mean that the men of Israel all bought into this, but David for himself changed the atmosphere because he spoke the word of God into the presence of every demonic spirit and the spirits of fear that had so uh, filled that, that battle scene. And when the Philistines saw what had happened, the very same fears they had been projecting onto the Israelites came against them, and they were done for. 
And so you see this incredible story where there was a curse, a literal curse spoken against the children of Israel. But then someone who knew how to stand in faith completely reversed it and the curse was turned into a blessing. That's just another example. I'll give you another one tomorrow. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below? And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below or going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.